0: there Bulldogs. Welcome to Career Chat. This is Kylie, your host, an alumnus of DeSales University and a former career ambassador. I am super excited to be hosting this podcast to help provide all of you guys with valuable information relating to career development. Prepare to hear from our professional staff, students, and DeSales professors as we help you explore your interests, develop your skills, and implement a plan for a fruitful career in the future. With that being said, let's get started with this week's episode. All righty, Erin. Thank you so much for uh, zooming in on this sunny. What is today? Sunny Friday. I can't even think of the day. That's where um, we're at. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, I I've known you I think two years now because I started at Pace and you were I think joining the team. I mm-hmm. think. Um, so, I've known you for a little bit now, and I know you're such a wonderful person and you have such real and honest perspectives, I feel like, on mental health, which is why I thought you'd be great, great to sort of uh, be in this podcast. So, if you want to just tell me a little bit about yourself and maybe how you decided to become a counselor, uh, how you got to DeSales in the first place.
1: Sure. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me and those kind words. That's so sweet. <laughs> yeah. It's been about two years that I've been on the DeSales team. I graduated with my master's in education with an emphasis in clinical mental health counseling in schools and communities. And I really loved mental health from day one. I remember really coming out of high school and not knowing what I wanted to do. And someone actually gave me a really good suggestion. They said, um, what kind of books are on your bookshelf? And I thought, okay, how does this really tie in? Um, Then I started looking and I was like, you know, all of them are stories about some level of struggle, but also some level of perseverance, someone's personal journey. Um, and that's really kind of led me to where I am today to work in the mental health field. So
0: I first worked at... Um in the wellness office as a pacer. And one of the things that came up and I know it is such a funny word now in our society is the word wellness. Um, When I think of the word wellness, I think of like literally every advertisement I've ever seen where everyone's like, just be well, like drink this like weird, like not ionized water. And like, it has like weird, like <laughs> healing properties. and like, that's your wellness. So like in your perspective, what, what is wellness? And like, what exactly does that entail in your mind?
1: Yeah. I think that's so funny. Cause I feel the same way, even being <laughs> a counselor. I, you know, even this morning, right. I was watching YouTube and an ad came up and it was for, I followed Harry Styles wellness journey. Mm -hmm. And it was this guy who, you know, went on the bike that he did and ate the foods that he did. And I kind of sat there and rolled my eyes and thought, how have we gotten here? (laughs) You know, it's it's in in every aspect, but really wellness is a modern word with ancient roots. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's become a lot more popularized recently, but I also think it's so important that it's become so much more popular because our society has just gotten incredibly Stressed, yeah. uh, incredibly overworked, and so to me, wellness is really optimal health and well-being. So, really trying to connect mind, body, and spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, I
0: think being. Too- oh, sorry, I was gonna <laughs> say I think too, like our. Generation. I say our generation, even though like there's a little bit of an age difference between us, but like, uh, like between like the ages of like I don't know, I want to say like twenty and like thirty three or something like that. I feel like our that generation is very focused on mental health more than prior generations. I feel like in Mm -hmm. other generations, like it was very much a you kind of deal with it on your own kind of thing. Um, and I definitely think that the world has sort of capitalized on our, our want to be well. Um, but mm-hmm. I also think that it's sort of stemming from this idea of that we no longer want to internalize that, I guess, if that makes sense. like It's more of a desire within us to achieve in these sort of ways and like achieving mental wellness and like taking care of ourselves more because we've seen how it's impacted people down the road who have not done that.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like learning from history, right? Looking mm-hmm. back and seeing the negative consequences of not dealing with the core issue. And it's sometimes a tough conversation between generations because I think non, uh, non-negotiable non for me is self-care. Yeah, And I think that's hard for everyone to understand. But how can I be my best self in multiple aspects, right? How can I be my best self at work? How can I be my best self with my family, with my friends um, when I'm not taking care of me? If I, I think of it as an image in my head, right? Like if I deplete my tank and I give and give and give and someone else's tank is filling, okay, that's great. But I no longer have any more of me to give. And that doesn't make me a good employee. It doesn't make me a good friend. It doesn't make me, you know, a good family member. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, no, I completely agree. So what exactly, so I know that there's like a, I want to say tenants, but I don't know if that's the right word of wellness. So what I, so I think of wellness and I don't really think of anything specific, which is I think because of the sensationalness of the word itself, I'm just like, oh, wellness is this like big fluffy cloud. That's like us, supposed to, <laughs> like trying to like make ourselves feel better. But oh, yeah. I know that there are concrete, like actual tenants to wellness, which I think help sort of direct our Our way of attacking it, but we never think of them because we just, you know, get overwhelmed by the word itself.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, one thing I always like to share with students and even people in my personal life is something that we call the wellness wheel. The wellness wheel has seven dimensions of wellness. Okay. Those are physical, emotional, intellectual, social, spiritual, environmental, and occupational. So something I like about the wellness wheel is that exactly kind of how you alluded to, there's more concrete things to think about, right? Rather than what, maybe what did this person on this YouTube video do? Or what have I heard my friends do? You know, taking that mental energy to think about what works for you. Mm -hmm. And I often find a lot of times people are doing things that they think might work for them. You know, it might bring someone else joy, but does it bring you joy? And that's the key question to ask yourself. But I think in looking at the wellness wheel, it gives you concrete examples as to what those things might be, Mm -hmm. but also to get a more holistic view of how you're performing. And so I like to fill it out on a scale of one to 10. Um, I like to do this in a chart, kind of coloring. Mm -hmm. Again, something that eases our anxiety sometimes, Um, but put it on a scale of one to 10. One being, I'm really not performing well. 10 being I'm at optimal performance. How are you doing socially, um, emotionally, financially, spiritually? And it's interesting. I always see this kind of aha moment, both for myself and for my clients of wow, maybe I didn't know I was doing so bad in one area or great, I'm doing a 10 out of 10 in one area, but Mm -hmm. it really throws off the balance of the rest. So getting that visual image, I think, is so important. And really checking in with yourself and asking yourself those tough questions.
0: Yeah. So I think one of the big things about wellness and sort of these um, dimensions of wellness too is how are we managing our stress when it comes to these dimensions? And I know stress is something that is very, very complex. There's so many... I mean, I'm a. I was a biology major, so like, I, there's so many biological implications. I, mean, so- I
1: love hearing your stories about the biological aspect too, right? <laughs> because I think so much of wellness is and well-being overall is really the the physical and the mental, and mm-hmm. we don't have those conversations about the two of them coming together. Yeah, and I think in an ideal world, we have to have those two in conversation, and so. Anytime I've talked to you and you've been able to share more information with me about the physical kind of aspects of it and what's going on internally, I think it's so important. One, because they go hand in hand. Yeah. Mental and physical health are one and the same, but also mm-hmm. knowing under like knowing and understanding what's going on with your body, because I don't think the general public always has as much knowledge as to what's going on. No. And if we were able to better understand what's going on in our own body we'd be able to better take care of it and better understand what's going on.
0: I think too, for a lot, not a lot of people, I guess there's people out there like myself who I'm not a very touchy feely kind of person. Uh, Mm -hmm. My boyfriend says I'm all business (laughs) and I think it's really funny. And so the way that I tap into my mental health is that I apply it to biological systems. So like psychology and biology are rooted in science and they're rooted in studies. And for that, I have this ability to sort of use that to be like, okay, well, I know that, you know, being like person averse and like isolating myself in studies has shown that it does this, this and this. And it Mm -hmm. makes more sense to me instead of like talking about like exactly like, oh, like the loneliness and the isolation. I'm like, those are words, but I need like data. (laughs) how my mind works and so I think for a lot of people who have a difficult time sort of honing in and like connecting the two it's a really great way to sort of just like logically break it down Um, so that's kind of how I've always thought about it I mean like obviously I'm improving all like all the time with that kind of stuff but I think it's a good way to think too that you know these aren't just like fluffy words that don't mean anything. Um, like they actually have like concrete uh, roots in science. But sort of moving on, I want to talk a little bit about the difference between good stress and bad stress. Um, I, for one, am a person that thrives in good stress. I yep. do way better if I am incredibly busy, probably too busy. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know anyone the sales would know that if they ask me what I'm doing, I'm probably doing like four different things at once. Oh um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so I think that I would love to hear sort of your explanation about, you know, when stress can go wrong, I guess is the best way to put it.
1: Yeah. I think you hit on a really important piece, right? Is that there's good stress, which is manageable, and bad stress, which is non manageable. And to some of our listeners today, you might be in college, you might be in grad school. You might be you know, in the profession that you've studied or maybe you haven't studied, but either way, there's kind of stress throughout life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think specifically in college, there's this competition of who could do more, work-based performance, competition, yep. perfectionism, whose to-do list is longer, mm-hmm. and there's this feeling of my self-worth is based on what I do. And I think that's so deeply ingrained in our cultures and our systems. And that's great, right? Because in one sense, we are functioning members of society. We are getting stuff done. We're waking up in the morning. We're contributing to the economy. We're contributing to um, usually like a greater good in some sense. Mm -hmm. But also it kind of goes back to the if I'm not taking care of myself, how can I be a good employee? How can I be a good friend kind of mentality?
0: Exactly.
1: And it's also like, kind of like you said before, if you're giving so much
0: to others, you know, you can't give anything to yourself, but also you can't give a hundred percent to everything you do if you're doing too much. And that's something that I definitely realized in college. Um, I, you know, you, you think you can do it all and then you just do everything not as well as you think you could do it.
1: People Um, think they really are great multitaskers. Like I've heard that day in and day out. And I'm. it's funny because as the counselor, you can kind of see through the cracks sometimes.
0: (laughs) And historically we're not. So like, even from like, bring up biology again, biologically, like we cannot handle more than like two things at once. And even then, like we think we're doing it at exactly the same time, but we're not. So we're not even actually multitasking. We're just juggling a bunch of things. And it's just, It's sad because, you know, it just depletes from what we could be giving towards something. If you take on too much, you're going to be unhappy because you're too busy, but you're also going to be unhappy because you're not
1: doing it well enough as you would want to be doing it. So it's just kind of a lose-lose situation, I feel like. Yeah. Kind of being more, it sounds like you want to be more intentional with where you put your efforts, your thoughts, your intentions, your actions really diving into that one and giving it your wholehearted effort rather than stressing yourself and putting yourself too thin and wearing yourself out over time.
0: Yeah. One of the things that people think about when they say, okay, well, I need to manage my stress is this idea of self-care. I feel like a lot of words in psychology have been like extremely sensationalized over the years, which is yeah. so because it It has such a a good meaning and a good intent behind it, but, you know, like it has just been incredibly capitalized on. And so I think that, you know, I'd love to have a conversation with you. And I know we were talking prior to recording about sort of the stigmas of self-care. So like when Mm -hmm. I think of self-care, I think of, you know, the best ways that I can take care of myself and it doesn't need to be anything super major. It can just be something minimal, but When I started thinking more about my mental health, I thought I had to, like, paint my nails and, like, color and, Mm. you know, dedicate all this time to, like, face masks and things, which could be self-care for some people, but to other people are just, like, these, like, super cheesy you know, non-effective techniques. I mean, when someone tells me maybe you should exercise because you're depressed, I'm like, Is it "Thanks for kick? the suggestion." Yeah, I was like, "Thank you." I'm already sad. Like now, I'm gonna go like cry and rhyme. Like I just don't. It doesn't. It doesn't quite click for me. So I'd love your perspective on that.
1: Yeah, I'd be curious then for you. Like, have you found anything? you know, in those seven dimensions of wellness, like have you found anything over the years that has worked for you? Or are you still on, on that journey to find something? Yeah, I'd love so, to know a little bit more about that process for you. So I
0: think a lot of it is just really um meeting basic needs. So like I feel like a lot of times when I'm too stressed, like I'm not meeting like the basic needs. And I think like feel like those are the things a lot of people neglect a lot of the times and they don't even like know they're neglecting it. Mm-hmm. And I think also taking days for yourself, like starting, I know I've started days and I'm like, today is not the day. I'm not doing anything today. Today is not the day we are, we are shutting down for the day. We are vibing and that is it. Um, So I think really making the intentional decision to say, I am not working today. I'm not, unless I like have to get something done, like I need to time out right now. Yeah. Um, So I think that's kind of been what my sort of self-care has looked like is really forcing myself to make those decisions. Because um, if not, I will not make those decisions mm. and I will just continue. So, and I know it looks very different for some people. Like I know a lot of my friends are really into like art therapy and that is just their thing.
1: Yeah. So what I'm hearing you say is, again, you're kind of like lean on the more scientific kind of hard fact based (laughs) activities. Right. And so it's, it's less of quote unquote, the fluff and that's okay because Mm -hmm. I think there's probably more people out there like you than you realize. And I'm glad people listening can have that perspective as well, because I am kind of similar to you in the sense that sometimes it doesn't have to be this extraordinary gesture. It doesn't have to be this big thing We think of it as going above and beyond, but taking care of yourself sometimes is doing the basics, Mm -hmm. you know, getting out of bed, not sleeping in too late, eating on Mm -hmm. a regular schedule, drinking water on a regular schedule. And then also the other aspect that you touched on that's so important is kind of the opposite Mm -hmm. of what we talk about, you know, not adding something on, but taking away stress, being able to say no being able to step away and say, people will figure it out. It's okay. And I think sometimes you got to make a joke out of it too, right? Like the world won't fall apart if I don't do this thing today. Mm -hmm. Like the world doesn't revolve around me and that can sound harsh, but I kind of joke about it sometimes in the sense that you can allow yourself to feel free of that burden yeah, because people don't think of it that way. If you don't do this one thing, it doesn't fall apart and it will be okay. And so I taking think, that time to step aside.
0: Yeah. And I think too, um, kind of going back to the like exercising when you're depressed example, I think too, I think that there's facts behind it. I just think the way that social media and media in general present it is very you know, not the same as like a counselor explaining to you like the benefits of it. So like, I feel like everyone's like, oh, you need to like paint your nails and color and exercise to feel better. But you know, when a counselor sits you down and explains like, you know, exercising can help you relieve stress and it's not going to cure anything, but it could be a good option to like make you feel at least a little bit better and uh, manage your stress a little better. I think the conversation gets a little lost, which is why people get a little a little bitter about it. And I, I'm definitely mm-hmm. guilty of that initially. But I think looking, looking at it from like a counseling standpoint, it makes a lot of sense. I just don't think we take the time to think of it that way.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like also finding something that works for you. Like the yeah. first time you try some new foods, you might not love everything you try, but you'll find something in that group that you like. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're a kid and you're trying out different clubs and sports and organizations, like you're not going to love everyone, but you will find one where you feel like it at least meets some of your needs. And maybe it's like you involved in one club and then involved in another organization, like putting the pieces together to provide a more holistic view of what works, right? Mm -hmm. Going back to the word holistic, putting the pieces of the puzzle together. It's not that you're relying on this one thing that's going to be the cure-all for your depression. Yeah. Um, but definitely finding some things that work hand in hand.
0: Yeah. Say that um, a student is having like a difficult time, you know, managing stress or other things in life. How can they um, reach out to the wellness center to either schedule an appointment or sort of start that process of, you know, getting in touch with you guys?
1: Yeah. Well, one, I would say be preventative, be proactive. I think that's so important in health that your problem is not too small or not too big. We can handle it no matter what that is. I think sometimes people think like, well, I'm stressed. Like Everybody's stressed. No, it's good to work on a plan to make sure that you are well and stay well and it's good Mm -hmm. to get into those habits in the beginning of the year so if you have even any questions of what the counseling process would be like i always say come on in just sit down and have a conversation with us Mm -hmm. that can progress us moving forward to having multiple sessions or you can just pop in once and learn a little bit more about the process and mm-hmm. we're all smiling, friendly faces. So definitely come Perfect. on in and meet some of our staff here. You can go on the DeSales counseling website and there's mm-hmm. a button that says request for consultation. You'll just fill out some basic information about yourself. Um, we'll get the request form and we'll get back to you within 24 to 48 hours to schedule your first appointment.
0: Perfect. And I will add to I think that a lot of times, not so much with Um, and I think we talked about this when we first spoke, not so much with small schools, but I think bigger schools. And I think schools are also moving away from this. But the idea that, you know, counseling only should happen when you know your grades are dropping, which is not Mm. not true at all. And like you said, it's preventative. So it's not even, first off, it's not about your grades. Physical and mental well-being trumps anything else. Absolutely. Um, But I think, too, that students get in this idea of like, well, you know, I'm not failing in school, so it's obviously not that bad, but that's not true. Some people are just really good at hiding it and working through that kind of stuff. Like there's plenty of people who have been diagnosed with depression who are still like, I forget what the name of it is. It's like functioning, functioning, like high functioning, high functioning depression or the same mm-hmm. things like that, where, you know, you're still Kind of able to sort of get through the day and that kind of stuff, but that doesn't mean that you're not having a difficult time.
1: Oh yeah, so people hide behind their masks pretty well.
0: I just encourage people that you know don't rely on the fact that like just because your grades are good to not not come in or anything because that's just you know they're two separate things and you know your mental health is just way way more important even if your grades are
1: amazing. (laughs) Definitely, thank you for that clarification too because it's so important to, to reiterate that. And also like, it's hard to, it's a little bit harder to pick up the pieces once things have been going awry for a little while. Mm -hmm. And so we can help you, you know, get to a better spot. But like I said, preventative care really helps students so much more in the long run, keeping well, staying well, um, you know, rather than, all right, how do we Go from here. How yeah. do we, you know, get back on the train and uh,
0: moving forward? Uh, I would love to talk to you a little bit about Out of the Darkness Walk. So, Out of the Darkness Walk is something that I know um, is through the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Um, I personally worked in a inpatient. In inpatient behavioral health unit for a year and we actually did the out of the darkness walk although I couldn't participate but I heard a lot of really wonderful things about it and I know that DeSales and some of the other universities are collaborating on the event and so I wanted to know if you would share a little bit about your experience when you went to the out of the darkness event. Absolutely
1: yeah I think this is a great opportunity for people to come together as you mentioned previously Sometimes it feels like this generation is more mental health focused and I think this is a great way to start that involvement. If you've ever been curious about, you know, getting involved but maybe not fully diving in, there's a whole range of people who attend this event. So when I went to the event a few years ago and actually last year as well, you know, there are people who have lost someone to suicide, there there are survivors themselves there are allies. So people who support those with mental health issues and suicidal ideation and tendencies. And so what I think is so special about the walk is that it's this dedicated space to dive into that conversation as little or as much as you want. And I think what's great is everyone there kind of provides a space to be a sounding board, but also allows you to kind of just be an observer if that's where you're at too. And so I know we were kind of talking about how there's a lot of other walks for a lot of other foundations and causes. And we want to make sure that mental health is at the table, too, that we're Mm -hmm. talking about these things, that it's not something scary. It's not something that's pushed to the side. It's not something that is untouchable. But rather, this topic affects so many people and that you have a support network here. And whether it be the counselors or your advisors or your friends, it's important to reach out because we can't know if you're struggling. And there is such a community and there is such a sense of belonging and being heard and understood. And this walk is going to be April 17th. Mm -hmm. Um, If you guys want to show up, we can definitely drop the link here as well. So Mm -hmm. hope to see you guys out there this year.
0: Yeah. So I actually, I really love, the walk because I think that it's a really great reminder that, you know, you never know who's struggling. Um, Mm -hmm. I know that when I heard of the people who were going, um, who were in my friend group, um, there were people who had lost family members by suicide and it was a very humbling experience because sometimes you don't, you don't know that about people and you think that, your your circle of people is sort of exempt from any sort of bad thing ever happening to them. Mm-hmm. And that's just so not true. And I think, you know, being more aware and having conversations more often is so, so important in normalizing it. You know, more and more places of, of like work are, you know, giving employees like a few mental health days and it's becoming more normalized to sort of you know, give yourself that time. And it's, you know, creeping into the career world, which is very, very interesting and very good, because I think that it's something that we need to focus on more and walks like this and sort of keeping the conversation on the table is really, really important and moving us forward and having us progress in what You know, should have always been there in the first place, which is, you know, (laughs) taking care of our mental health so we can be better workers, better students, all that kinds of stuff.
1: Yeah, I'm glad to hear you say you see it kind of seeping into your own world, too. So, Erin, I want to thank you so much for,
0: you know, coming I was gonna say coming in, but we're zooming. <laughs> <laughs> zooming in. and um, you know, taking the time to talk with me. I know um, everyone at the Wellness Center. I, you know, I've spoken to, I'm pretty sure everyone there, at least in some point of you know, pace or whatever. I can attest that you guys are absolutely amazing and you care so 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 much about the students and
1: it's a really really great environment and we see we see all different students right so undergraduate graduate access really everyone anyone and everyone who is a desales student is welcome and we open our doors to you and what's great too is we are zooming the semester we are fully online so mm-hmm. i think there is this barrier broken down for some people who have had any concerns about coming in um, mm-hmm. You know, I think it's a great way to test the waters as well. It's just you know being in your own space, feeling comfortable, being at home. Maybe it's you know in your pajamas or in your favorite robe or mm-hmm. in your favorite spot in the house. You know, it's 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 a great way to to kind of feel safe and ready to start that journey in that process.
0: I agree. Well, thank you so much, Erin. I appreciate you know all your wonderful insights.
1: And thank you, guys. I hope to see you, well, I guess see you, Zoom you at the virtual (laughs) walk. (laughs) Yeah, I'll see you there. And thank you again so much for having me. It was so great to be able to connect and it's always a pleasure seeing you.
0: Alrighty, everyone. This is another episode in the books. First, I'd like to thank Erin so much for taking the time to Zoom in with me. Just a reminder that the Out of the Darkness walk is on April 17th, but it is not determined yet whether or not it will be in person or virtual. There will be some programs leading up to the walk, including a yoga session and a Zumba session for self-care. Additionally, in March, there will be a speaker from the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to come to talk about the campus walk in April and also to talk about suicide awareness. In order to join or create a team for the Out of the Darkness walk, there will be a link in the description that will take you to a webpage that will have all the information on how to register, how to donate, and all the event details. So definitely keep an eye on the website as we get closer to the date. With that being said, I want to thank all of you guys for listening. Have a great week, everyone!